0: welcome to politics done right my name is Egberto Willis your host folks we are going to have a great program for you today how's everybody doing I trust you're all doing fine good morning Houston good morning Harris County good morning Texas good morning to the United States of America and of course good morning to the world we are actually just one of the many ships Sailing around the world. Anyhow, good morning to the control room populated with geniuses. How are my favorite geniuses doing this morning?
1: Just just one little genius here today, Roberto.
0: Oh, so Howard is out doing some uh, mula again. Anyhow, great, great hearing you, my dear brother. Yeah, How's yeah. it going? That's What's good. the word That's of
1: good. the day? Well, okay. Uh, we didn't have an ID, so this is 90.1. K P F T FM. Yeah. Well, the word is today. I was thinking about, been thinking about this for a while. I'm thinking America just might need to revive the hippie movement. I mean, society has a pretty hard edge on it. These days, bring back the big Nick, bring back the flower child, the sit in back to land movement. The hippies changed a lot of things. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, The hippies, the students, would protest against war, polluting the environment. They helped the world change for the better. So I want to see big sunflowers stuffed in the barrels of the automatic weapons of death. Love beads, peace signs, paisley shirts, tie-dye, and poetry. The number one thing the hippies were against was war and world domination. So peace out, drop out, turn on. Tune in and love your mother. Hippies can change the world.
0: I love it. You know, I I love that. You know, I'm from the days and when uh, going to the uh, the university, University of Texas in Austin, when we had this phrase called "keep Austin weird," right? Uh, and and there's a now, whole yeah, lot. Now,
1: now it's keep Austin stoned.
0: <laughs> well, in the world like this, I mean, maybe being stoned is was required. I don't know, but anyway, we Hibby had that. sure break. liked it. <laughs> I know. But, you know, we 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 were, uh, you know, those were changing times and people were optimistic and we were going to change the world and we were going to make things a lot better. And for a while we started to do it. We got the university to uh, and several to divest from South Africa during the apartheid days. I mean, we did so much then because, again, we were optimistic and we felt like we could make things change and you know by god even when reagan got elected we well actually i I started college ut after reagan got elected but it was still in the ethos that you could actually get something accomplished right that you could actually do things and we we were yeah we were making a difference now you speak to young people They throw their hands up in the air and as if they don't matter, as if uh, they don't think things can change, that things are fixed right now. And in a lot of ways, I think the boomer generation and the uh, older X generation has sort of um, uh, taken, you know, first of all, in the case of the boomers, in my humble opinion, given too much away to. to to lies and uh, to lies and misinformation and then the older genetics is sort of pick up some of the mantra and then the kids turn around and see a lot of that and think they can't make a difference but you know what that is one of the things that we're here for to say no 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 just like we made a difference some of us not the best kind of difference but just like we made a difference it is on you now our millennial brothers and sisters or Gen Z brothers and sisters or Gen or the other gen that's coming. I forgot what they call them. That's coming up. It's for you guys to make a difference. And when I see uh, some of the young people that are hit in Congress now, like uh, Maxwell from from Florida, or I see uh, uh, the young woman uh, that I met in Philadelphia from, I think she's She's representing Pennsylvania from Philadelphia. A lot of young people saying, no, 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 we can make a difference. We can make a difference. Sort of reinvigorating that feeling. It's like, okay, we, we kind of skipped. A generation, but we have these folks now that are out there. Yesterday, we had, uh you know, why I'm so damn tired this morning is we had the uh, big Democratic uh County Executive Committee meeting. But before that meeting, uh, a youngster that's always on our program, a young millennial that's always on our program, Dan Cohen, he arranged, he got over a hundred precinct chairs together to come together and have a news conference to tell the district attorney kim og you are not going to run this uh, you're not going to be allowed to stay in the in that office and run vendettas against individuals against people that you don't like against those that uh, that you feel or 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 do it for what many would say is your personal benefit in the attempt to get votes from those who otherwise would not vote for you and i saw the the plethora of p- the the group of people out there supporting that grass action movement and i i felt th- the kind of feeling that came over was that feeling i felt when i was on the west mall at the university of texas marching for the divestiture of uh, our 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 state dollars from uh, south africa or the dive- or, or the divestiture of our monies from institutions that were doing well by people i saw that again I saw that again, yes, last night when we sat there and watched people of all ages, of all creeds, of all races, of all uh, of, of all uh, uh, religious backgrounds, organized by a young man that, that says we can come together and do something. It was great. In fact, I have a, couple, a few of those interviews uh, from some of the protagonists um, to play today. But it was great seeing that. Yesterday was like, you know what? You can make a difference. So today's show, it's title. Oh, so anyway, before I get into that, thank you for bringing that up, uh, 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 Jack, because I think You're welcome. a lot of times um, people have to know intrinsically. People have to know from within their gut that they can still make a difference. And I think a lot of what's happening in America today, a lot of the reasons people are disillusioned today is we have a particular sect in this country, a particular type of leadership in this country, think tanks in this country that just about tells people things are just the way they are and you can't make a difference. And we are here to tell them that collectively, we can't make a difference individually. Individually, you can create the collective that makes the difference. You can't do it alone, but with collectively, doing what let's say Brother Cohen did last night by bringing a group of people from around Harris County, the entire county, together centralize on an issue of importance, you can still do that. Those are the things that uh, we see. One of the things that we have a lot of uh, our, our leadership, a lot of our think tanks trying to do is to create this friction between identities. They say, don't play identity politics, but they make sure that identities are there, but they don't want identity politics. But they make sure that identities reveal outcomes. They make sure that identities reveals or, or, or get what some identities get some identities. They, they use it as a weapon, race, uh, gender, class. So they use all these things as weapons and we succumb to it. And the idea, man, is we don't have to. If we have, strong leadership that believe in the collective, we can actually do better. And that's what I see in a lot of our young activists in Harris County and throughout the country. Maxwell, Gary, and many others all around the country taking it back and awakening. I was in the grocery store. You know, I'm on a little rant here, but I you know this just kind of came because of what you said, Jack. Um, I was in a grocery store and I came across a good friend and I hadn't seen the friend in a long time. And he sort of said, kind of threw his hands up in the air and he's like, Bert, I'm scared of where the country is going. I mean, we don't talk eating anymore. We don't talk to each other anymore. Everybody's fighting against each other. And I'm like, that's what they want. And that reaction that you had where you said, I don't know, and throw your hands up and say, you know, you feel like just getting the hell out of the country. That's how they want you to feel. Because if you feel that way, they win. If you feel that way, you feel impotent. You feel like you can't make a difference. And if they have you feeling that way, then you can't make a difference. And I'm here to tell everybody we can actually make a difference. The collective can. What is a collective? Us working together. What is a collective? The unions working together. How do I know it's working? When would you have ever believed the Auto Union would have gotten the big three to succumb to the kind of deal. When would you have thought that the Writers' Guild would succumb to the kind of view, to the kind of results that they got? When would you have thought that all these things that are coming together right now, because people are finally saying, "I am going to work together to get this stuff done. It's important folks, to understand deep from within your soul, deep from within your heart. Deep, deep, that we can make a difference. And they're all, all fighting. They're all fighting to make sure you believe that you can't make a difference. And I want you to know that you can. Thank you, Jack, for opening the door for me to make that comment. All right. you know, uh, let's go ahead and bring uh, Negative Nancy into the story. I'm going to bring her in before we start the program. Come on in, Nancy. Well, I
2: hate to disappoint you.
0: I'm a guy. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> why did he put Negative Nancy? You are not Nancy, <laughs> Mr. Mayor. Come on now. Hey, I am Negative Mayor McCheese, and don't you ever forget it. No, well, no, I am not. Brother, I love you, but you are not going to come and negativize what I just said, brother. Go ahead. Talk to me. I'm going to try. No, you won't. You won't succeed, but move on. Let me hear you, brother.
2: Okay. Well, that's a clue. Well, and I'm nodding my head back and forth like I've got Alzheimer's. That 1980, December of 1980. I think yes. we all know what happened then. Yes. John Lennon got killed by some muck, And right around that time, Ronald Reagan got into the way. Well, he got elected and uh, yeah. he took over and his, started his reign in January of the following year, 1981. And I knew it was going to be bad, not just because Lennon got shot and killed, but the way CBS 60 Minutes Andy Rooney propagandized Ronald Reagan. He showed Ronald Reagan bare-chested chopping wood, and we got to see Ronald Reagan's nasty, sagging, uh, chest while he was chopping wood. And I could not eat lasagna for a whole month after I saw that. <laughs> and I knew <laughs> things were not going to be good. And don't forget, this was around the time of AIDS. AIDS, acquired immune deficiency syndrome, Um, started college in 77, 78, and by 78, 80, I knew something was weird with a lot of the students at U of H. There was a lot of these uh, gay students, male gay students, who looked like they were having these blotches on their skin, and they'd look emaciated. And then we heard about AIDS. And 81, Reagan started his reign of terror. And every time you turned on the news, you saw images of of, uh, what our military was doing down south of the border. And a lot of the music back then was from the Rolling Stones, and it was very negative. And it was really hard to keep a positive attitude during his reign without Lenin there and knowing what we knew about what our military was doing down there. And Reagan denies it later on, pretending to hide behind his... His uh, early onset. And so he got a pass from the media. And the AIDS activists, they were activated for sure. And thank God that they took something negative and they tried to do a lot of positivity. Like at KPFT, you remember the, the gay programming. Excellent programming and music. I found that inspirational as a straight guy.
0: Okay, um, is- I want wait, wait, Johnny. I want to, you know, you 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 told you spoke to when you called Jack. I don't know. Jack wrote on the screen negative Nancy as if you said that. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna positivize what you just said because uh, it is true what you just said about Reagan. First of all, he completely kept his people from ever mentioning the words AIDS after it was discovered. He's one of the people. uh, He's not much different than Trump in trying to hide a pen. Well, in that case, it wasn't a pandemic, but uh, it was an epidemic. He tried to hide it, thinking it'll go away or people won't notice it. The same thing that Trump did with 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 with, uh, COVID. But the positive here is this. Uh, Before you come back, Johnny, let's remember. These were the days that we had the quilts. These were the days where people stepped up. These were the days where they made a difference. And HIV took on a different flavor when the positive activists, rather when the activists came and did a positive thing. And that's the that's the optimism I'm talking about. That even in the dread of Reagan, that many hadn't seen yet. You've you saw the dread of Reagan, but how many people know what's going on on the other side of our borders? Continue, my brother.
2: I felt it. I lived it. I tasted it. I was exposed to it. Uh, and if it wasn't for KPFT, that media influence, I don't know what I would have done. I might've gone postal. I might've done myself in. I'm quite serious. Uh Independent left-wing media is a salvation. It's a salve. Make no mistake. And then when, uh, uh, Reagan finally got done doing his his damage. Then we had Bill Clinton to, from '93, January of '93, and Bill Clinton. He didn't do much better, and they caused he caused the uh, the AIDS activist community to rise up even more. Of uh, you would think. That Bill Clinton would have seen the era of Reagan's, uh, the Reagan administration, but he turned out to be one of the best right-wing friendly presidents we had prior to Obama. I'm telling you, KPFT made a big difference in lots of people's lives. I can testify to that. I know I said I was going to be a negative Nancy. But hey, I have to tell you go ahead. Go ahead.
0: No, you're not being you. all that negative, sir, because the truth of the matter is right. you're you're actually proving my point. But go ahead.
2: It's trying. And like I told you yesterday, all those conversations, to two o'clock in the morning, that was the decade where I was in the fire department. And you would think that I would have had some kind of influence on some of the people there. And one of them was a sniper, a Marine sniper. Joe Foster He's probably dead by now. I had. He learned nothing from me. He had the same prejudices. They did not change. Now that's not to say I'm trying to dissuade people listening to this conversation, not to try. You have to try, but you never know what seed you plant, what, what, how it might manifest. because what's the alternative? We no, do ex- nothing.:
0: Exactly let right. way. Exactly no. right. Wait, ex- wait. Okay, Mayor, uh, let me go ahead and continue with the program. But I, uh, yes, I'm, I'm glad that you, you added that corollary when you said, this guy that you were with, he never changed. But what do we do? Not try? No, we try. And the truth of the matter, a certain percentage will change. Hey, look, brother, I wrote a book called It's Worth It, How to Talk to Your Right-Wing Relative Friends and Neighbors. And the reason why is I've... Seen with my own eyes after the seeds have been planted. Several, so many people. And if I, I'm just one person, brother, you are another. Jack is another. All of us are planting seeds. And guess what? Some of it may land on a, a, a rock that doesn't allow growth, but some of it will land on soil that's just ready to go. Because remember, these people are all the are, are like the way they are because of how they were reared. Now, some of it has cauterized in their brains permanently. But oh, I right, I but, love that. Yeah,
2: but I love the way you describe that, cauterizing the brain. That yeah. is excellent. And I want to yeah. leave on a positive note.
0: I'm glad. OK, thank you very much for being for calling in, my dear mayor of politics. I'm then I'm right, right, Johnny. I, leave a have, note.
2: I want to have leave on a, a positive great. note.
0: Say that have a me. great day, brother. Peace. Peace.
2: And say that, hold on, hold on, here's my positive note, even though there was a Joe Foster who never changed his ways, one of my neighbors, remember I mentioned this a few weeks ago. Yes, you ago, did. That told me that maybe you should run for office. He says, are you sure you're not a Republican?
0: <laughs> exactly. I, 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 oh, uh, and before I go, that, no. is, that is the right answer that he gave you because uh, the way he is able to accept you – is he just goes ahead and pay whatever you believe in that he thinks is good? He just pays Republican uh, on that. And I'm fine with that. Have a great day, Brent uh, uh, Brother. Jitsu. Rhetorical jujitsu. Maybe that's yeah. the clue. There you go. Have a great day. i uh, talk to you later, Johnny. Anyway, folks, uh, you can give me a call to 713 526 5738. Again, the number is 713 526 5738. Please don't wait till the end of the show. Anyway, folks, I'm going to start. The program with a sort of a sad story by Tiffany Rochelle. Uh, her son uh, got killed by cops, and this cop was heard saying he's not going to leave this neighborhood alive before he was shot up. And under the auspices of Kim Og and how she directed the the, the grand jury, according to uh, this woman, the police officer that she is strongly believes murdered her kid walked and uh, you know so it's it's a thing about how do you apply justice uh, how do you apply justice? listen to her story and then we'll take it on the other side.
3: I'm here with Tiffany Rochelle. She's here at the CEC meeting where uh, we previously had the rally to oust Kimag. Tell me a little bit about your story, uh, Tiffany. Uh,
4: my name is Tiffany Rochelle, and I am the uh, mother of Jalen Randall, uh, 29 years old, who was murdered last year, uh, April the 27, 2022. And. Um, they were going out into the neighborhood to do a warrant pursuit, and they, uh, my son, got into a vehicle with his friend, and they proceeded on to leave the neighborhood. However, uh, the undercover police got behind them. Um, once they got behind them, um, they went some ways, maybe in the community, uh, maybe 20 miles per hour, and um, as they were going, Shane Privet was actually behind my son. Um, he made the statement that he will not live to leave the neighborhood.
3: That's what the policeman who Shane is—that's a police officer police. that was chasing your exactly. son. Shane and he Privy. said, and it's on camera, that your son will not see the end of that day.
4: He said that this is word for word. He said that he will not live to leave the neighborhood. Okay. And once he did that, he made that statement. HPD came out of nowhere, did a, a, a pit maneuver, the, the car. Turns around. Now he's facing the officer, Shane Privy. Um, on the passenger side of the uh, the undercover car, my son was on the passenger side of his friend's car. He gets out the car. My son gets out the car. Uh, Shane Privy gets out his car. My son, Jayden Randall, gets out of his car. He said, put your hands before... Hands came out of his mouth. He shoots my son. And he... The bullet hit on the side of his neck. And after he shot his gun and said, Oh, shit mm-hmm. so then they handcuffed my son, they dragged him across the, the sidewalk, and that way.
3: And what tell me, why did that put? I mean, first of all, sorry to hear about your son. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, what was Kim Ogg's role in the in, in this entire so, issue?
4: Probably about uh, July, I'm not sure the month, I'm thinking July, they uh brought my son's case to the the grand jury, and uh, they no-actioned it at first. So Who
3: no-actioned it? The grand, grand jury, jury under the they, tutelage of Kimar.
4: Exactly. So, then we were supposed to go directly. They were supposed to pick another jury that day, mm-hmm. and when they uh, they came back to us and said, this is not the jury that we want to go by, they, so they streamed it along. And then, so, uh, I guess there was... About three weeks ago, mm-hmm. it went back to the grand jury where they know building. So everything is on camera. Uh, everything that happened to Jalen is on camera. Is not it's is is
3: wrongdoing. And she refuses and to she pursue refuses the to police officers. The police
4: officer. So that's what we're mm-hmm. fighting, and we're going to continue to fight uh, until we get justice.
3: Well, Tiffany, sorry to hear about your son. Keep up the fight because people you. like you, we need out there.
4: Thank you so much.
0: And yeah, so, uh, you you know, so that that is something that affects regular Americans directly. And uh, if you are, I, I hate to colorize it here, but it's a it's a personal feeling for me as well. Why personally, I want no interaction with police officers, period, because I don't know when that officer has the bad day and knowing that. We are run by, uh, first of all, by a district attorney who can pretty much ensure that police officers are not charged when they commit a crime. And again, remember, they are there to serve us. They took that job, they know that's a dangerous job, et cetera. They're compensated accordingly for that dangerous job, and they they learn to take precautions. But when you do things, that you put the lives of other people in jeopardy. Look, I, I am I'm telling you, I, I'm a, a business owner, professional, all that good stuff. And anytime I'm in the presence of any cop, and I mean that of any cop because of the way I feel they feel about many who have <laughs> my hue. Uh, I I make sure. And try my utter best to stay out of that system, that domain. To some people, that sounds pretty darn strange. To some people, that sounds like an overreaction. To some people, that that they they can't even compute the gut feeling in people like me, and that's fine. It's not you who have to live that, right? Uh, we. It, But when you also have the power structure that's there, that protects those who may actually harm you, you feel naked. And when you can do something about it, you try your utter best to do so. Well, um, yesterday as well, uh, I interviewed one of the district attorneys that worked for uh Kimaga and this is what she had to say I want you to listen to this and then we'll get it on the other side
3: all right, we're here with former district attorney, assistant district attorney Lauren Byrne. Lauren, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great, Lauren. First of all, you're out here at a rally that's that's I, I don't want to say a rally against Kimog, but a rally for the people for change. For change. Um, you used to work for Kimog, correct? Yes, sir. Uh, first of all, tell us who Kimog is.
5: Kimog is the elected district attorney of Harris County, Texas. Um, she was first elected, I believe, she came in in 2000. Yeah. And she won a second term that expires uh, in 2025. So there will be an election. In How
3: long before. did you work for her?
5: I was, I started in the office in 2007. Kim came in in 2017 and I worked there until May, 2020. I left during the pandemic.
3: Why did you leave?
5: Uh, there are many reasons why I left, but you know, a lot of people that work there, you just kind of keep your head down and you, you try and do the work and think that you're doing the right thing, even though, where you see how the office is being run and the morale and 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 all of that but when you when you get confronted and you have to directly look at something that you know is a lie when you know the right thing not happening and you're directly involved in it you have to take a stand and I made the decision that I could no longer work there uh, with the principles that I have and what I think the right thing to do is, that's incompatible with Kim Ogg's principles and how she runs her office.
3: Now, you made a very important statement when you spoke, and it really touched me when you said that some of the things that she did could have not only a material impact and, course a financial impact on on people who she knowingly uh, forces or forces the prosecution mm-hmm. of. Tell us a little bit about that.
5: Um, it's... <laughs> It's intentional, knowing that she's, you know, pursuing somebody for some sort of reason, or um, or it's just that because she has run experience out of the office and doesn't properly train and doesn't properly use her resources, the longer that a case lasts. The more effect it has on everybody involved. If you're accused of a crime and you can't post bond, you're going to be in jail until your case resolves. So the longer it takes to resolve your case, when you have a new prosecutor every single setting because they can't keep prosecutors, when you have people that are scared to make decisions and so they're not going to dismiss your case until push comes to shove and they have to set it for trial, um, that case lingers. Um, if you're on bond, doesn't make it easy to get a job if you're charged with something that should have never even been charged or maybe it was a misdemeanor that was overcharged into some like an aggravated assault or something like that and you're on bond for a year yeah. uh, two years how easy do you think it is to get a job when employers are asking uh, it's not and it affects people's livelihoods. and what if you're the victim of one of those cases and every time you go to court or you your case goes to court there's a new prosecutor who doesn't know anything about the case and uh, you just don't know if it's going to be you. Truly handled
3: and given the attention that it needs because she can't keep staff to see the case three. No, I, mean- I, I want I, to close, I want to make an important assessment of something that you said.
5: Sure.
3: You said too often it was easier to take a case to prosecution than to dismiss a case, Absolutely. even if that's what you believe was the right thing to do. Yeah. Expand on that to close.
5: When she first started, she talked all about in meetings with prosecutors and her chief prosecutors about how they were going to have discretion and they were actually going to be able to exercise their judgment unlike prior administrations in her opinion moment there was a news article or something reported where somebody called a complaint about a disposition of a case regardless of whether it was the right thing or not she had a knee-jerk reaction because what matters more to her is her public perception and what people think of her in the office and what actually happens and so she started making it harder and harder for me as a prosecutor to make the decision of what I know is the right thing. Now I have to run it by this person and then this person needs to go run it by this person and um, to the point where a significant number of cases have to go to Kim off for personal approval, which it's impossible to even get a meeting with her. She's the elected district attorney, she's out and about and you know, out of town, out doing things, you know. It's you have to trust the people that you hire that you put in these decisions. If they are scared to make decisions, then bad things can happen. If it's easier for you to just reset a case because you can't get your boss to agree to dismiss a case because they're scared of what it's going to look like if you dismiss too many cases, and the right thing doesn't happen. Um, not to mention, they make them jump through so... I'm not saying you shouldn't have good reasons to dismiss a case, okay? Don't get me wrong. You shouldn't just be doing it for no reason at all. But when you have to jump through so many needless tasks to get the right outcome, you're going to say, you know what? I don't have time to do this. I need to focus on this trial case. Just set that for trial. It's easier to set it for trial. And that way you can say, sorry, the judge called us to trial and we didn't have what we needed. And so now we can dismiss Versus dismissing it early on when you know it needs to go.
3: Lauren Byrne, thank you for your courage.
5: Thank you.
0: We spent a lot of... Lauren Byrne had... That last question that I asked her really hit me because... You're messing with people's lives. When she says, because of the culture within the district attorney's office, sometimes it was easier to bring a case that, after looking at it contextually, you would not have prosecuted. But it was easier to spend the county's dollars to put the lives of others who are being prosecuted to affect their financial future, to affect their financial well-being, their psychological well-being, just because it's easier to prosecute than to go through the hoops to tell the district attorney, I don't think we should prosecute this case. It doesn't raise itself to the level that warrants prosecution. But then... You don't have a problem uh, laying the groundwork for false prosecutions that in the long run all go truly no build by the grand jury. That is what we're talking about. And, you know, right after uh, right after we went through that interview, I then uh, I saw uh the the the, comp- the competitor the, the opponent of uh kmog sean Thierry, he was walking around and I said you know hey let's have a little chat here like to hear your thoughts about what you're seeing here and this is what Sean Tier who is running against uh Kmog Ag, had to say as he watched the conference and uh here here we go
3: Shantir, how are you doing today? I'm great. How are you? It's great talking to you. I interviewed you a few weeks ago. Yes. I'm, I, I see you stopped by for this little uh, rally against your opponent. What's your thoughts on 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 the, the, the <laughs> what people had to say here?
6: You know, I, I'm just an interested observer, um, obviously, but I love grassroots movements like this. Um, this this really just reinforces everything that we've been saying on the campaign from the beginning. Uh, this this is a whole host of people who have been victimized by the failures of that office and and a group of people who have been victimized by her policies and and her about face for the democratic values now you worked for her absolutely and one of the reasons you're running against her
3: is you're feeling that she completely misrepresents the office
6: yes that's that's absolutely right she misrepresents everything about the office it's she misrepresents what she ran on the 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 true reform and progressive ideals that we we all believed in when we joined her she misrepresents how she goes about running that office right now the the office is is completely bereft of any talent left
3: Everyone's left. No, let's let's get something clear here because you're out here, but you had nothing. To, had did you have anything to do with this movement that seems to be developing organically? Not
6: not at all. I I, I found out about it last week from from the Chronicle when when they uh, talked about the resolution at that time with sixty some odd precinct Um I, I haven't I haven't been involved at all, but again, it reinforces everything that we've been saying. Well you got a hell of an endorsement. Yes, so Tell a little bit about it. It was it was amazing. It's something that we've been talking about for a number of months. Uh, Judge Hidalgo endorsing me is one of the highlights of, of my professional career in any capacity. Uh, she's been somebody who is just one of the most courageous leaders that we've had on the democratic side in in decades and for her to get behind my campaign and, and talk the way that she talked about this race and, and who she knows that I am was it, it was an honor and something that I'll remember forever.
3: It's not easy for uh a somebody to come out against the district attorney. It takes a lot of courage. Thank you very
0: much. My pleasure. Thank you. And that was sean Tyr who will be or not who will be who is actually running against Kim. The race seems like currently a dead heat i i actually expected uh in the long run to for people when they <laughs> when they see much of what's going on for that to change drastically in the next few months up and until the primaries in march anyway folks this is a call and show give us a call 713-526-5738 713-526-5738 i did those interviews last night uh, <laughs> it's funny, because I had to get down to forty six miles away from where I'm at, and um which meant I had to cut into the time of the three o'clock politics done right show to get to the other side of Houston, so I did politics done right live from a car I found this application. That was great. It, it allowed me to multi-stream to several different platforms from a cell phone. So I had two cell phones, one cell phone handling the calls, another cell phone handling the the, the, the ch- setting up the chat. All of them connected. It, it, it was a little bit of magic inside of that, uh, inside of the car. While I was driving, I was focused on the highway. I was focused on the highway. And uh, I only read the chats when I was at a stop sign or where I didn't have to have my eyes on the phone. Otherwise, I made sure and did the right thing. And uh, I put nobody's safety in danger. I did the program like I was talking on the phone with somebody while driving. Anyhow, folks, 713-526-5738. Again, that number is 713-526-5738. Please don't wait till the end of the show to call in. Uh, Give us a call at 713-526-5738. Don't know. I I see some calls coming in. I don't know if uh, maybe we're. Yeah, I see some calls coming in. So I'm going to wait a while before I start the other subject just to make sure that you take priority. Over what we have to say here, but do remember you can get all the videos, you can get all the programming directly from our site, uh, our newsletter at politicsdoneright.com/newsletter for what we don't cover here, or if you want to get to listen to the videos again, or watch the videos again, or listen to the podcast, you can go to seven one three, or I mean, you can go to politicsdoneright.com slash newsletter. Let's go ahead and talk to Harry. Harry, come on in, my dear brother, Harry.
7: Buenos dias, hermano. Eh, Hibato,
0: Willy. Buenos dias, hermano. Talk uh, to me.
7: Well, you know, that, that first video you played with that woman who's, you, that you interviewed, the, uh, the the son that died. Uh, yes. I, I was wondering, was that woman an African-American woman? She sounded like she was an
0: African-American yes. woman. she's a, yeah, she's a black woman. Yes, yes.
7: And, and the, um, the, yeah, the, her son, uh, how was her son killed? I was, I was
0: trying to understand uh, that whole, okay. you know, they, uh, he, he, uh, they came in. And I think I, if I recall what she said, there were some undercover officers, but whatever the case is, I think HPD showed up and, uh, they, they, they did a maneuver on the car that, you know, where they flipped the car and after not flipped the car, but kind of side the car. And when her son uh-huh. got out of the car, Uh, The officer also got out of the car and without waiting or seeing any real movement that that her son made, simply blew his head off. They went ahead and shot him on the neck, killed him right away.
7: Was this a white officer or... An Hispanic officer, or a black I, I, officer. I, I think it's a
0: white officer, uh, Harry. But let me just say this, and I want everybody to understand this: the police, it, it, the police is an institution, right? Whether it's a white officer, black officer, Latino officer, Asian officer, the proclivity of the institution is to harm people that are that they believe the least of. In this country. And you don't have to be a white officer to let me finish. You don't have to be a white officer to look at a person of color with disdain. Black officers do it. White officers do it. Latino officers do it. Asian officers do it. You take a look at the uh, George Floyd incident. There were Asians, black and White officers out there, and nobody checked that report when it said this person died just of natural causes. It's the institution that needs to change. It's not a racial issue within the institution. It is the institution that needs to change. There's these five black officers that destroyed, killed, murdered that guy. I think it was in Atlanta or somewhere in Georgia. So I I want people. Go ahead, sir.
7: Yeah. Tyreek Nichols. I think that was Tennessee where that happened. Yeah. Okay. Tennessee. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah. And then they're, um, they said on Democracy Now last week because uh, I've been following this for a few years. You know about what happened in Oklahoma with Elijah McClain when those three white officers, uh, one of them, they are, and then they brought in, they called the, uh, um, they called the medical people in, and they injected him with a ketamine. Well, two of the white officers, according to Amy Goodman, have right. been acquitted.
0: Right. Well, I mean, it, it, I was it, the, yeah. it's a constant. The only thing about it is it, that it's interesting is when whenever it is a black officer that that commits the heinous crime, generally they pay the white officers too often get off. I mean, it, 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 it's a thing that yeah. it, it's just a thing that we have to work on. But, Harry, my phones are filling up. I appreciate your call. Right. I want it's to jump culture. to somebody.
7: It's the culture what you're saying. It's, it's yes, the culture. It's, Okay, yes, sir. We'll talk, yeah, the culture, that's got to change. We'll talk some more later.
0: brother. have a good day. Thank you, brother. Thank you too. Time. Let's go to Emmanuel. I think Emmanuel is the new caller. Come on in, Emmanuel.
8: Hey, good morning, mi hermano. How are you?
0: I'm doing fine, hermano. Talk to me.
8: Okay. Uh, it, it, that's a very good topic. But I would like you to please look at the good sides, of the police men and women that put their life on the line every day Mm -hmm. to protect and serve. Mm -hmm. Because we have some few bad apples like in any other company or corporation or department of the state or local or federal. We have some few bad apples. I understand that. Mm -hmm. But we also must look at what the good thing we do because okay. we go all
0: the time. Emmanuel, I am with you. Emmanuel, Eman- let me ask two questions. First of all, it is Panamenu? Sí, yes, I'm Panamenu. Okay, thank you, my brother. And one other thing I want to ask you are you a police officer? Yes. Okay, let me. I'm, I so, I'm so thankful that you called in. I I revere what you do and what you're supposed to do. And I revere that you, Emanuel, eres un, un, una policía muy buena, muy buen. Okay, I agree with that. All right, let's get that out of the way. But okay. let me tell you what my problem is, Emmanuel. You as a police officer, uh, you know the bad apples that surround you. I'm not asking you that. I'm telling you that, you know, those bad apples, when you go into that locker room at your police station, you can look at those particular officers that are bad. You know who they are. And like I said, you're a good officer. And I understand because of your livelihood, etc., you may not be able to actively shake that bad officer up. But there's a large percentage of bad officers. Don't say bad apples. There are several bad apples out there because black folks, y tú eres un negro como yo, black folks have encountered them. In fact, if you are not on your, in your police officer un, uniform as a black Latino Caribe, caribeño, I can guarantee you my brother in the studio, Jack, will be treated much better than you are just because of your hue. So I revere you. I respect you as a good police officer that we need. But we need many of your ilk to also make sure that those bad thugs, like the ones who kill people who look like many of us, and sometimes even kill some of my brothers like Jack, or get the hell out of there. Don't you agree, sir? Yes, I do agree. Thank Remember, you. That
8: things are changing. We are cleaning up the department. Yes, I work at the federal level. Yes, and we are cleaning up those areas that need cleaning up to remove all those rotten apples mm-hmm. right. from the tree. We're doing yes. that, and we're going to continue doing that. Yes, sir. Because we believe that everyone. Should be safe, in doesn't matter the color of your skin. Yes. 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 If yes. I see your son from a mixed Negro. Yes. Yes. I'm I've got to
0: stop. Yes.
8: Because I'm profiled. Yes, sir. And when they realize who I am, they're like, "Oh, you know, no, no, it's whoa, 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 whoa. Okay, fine." Right. But
0: we are doing great job, Othier, mi hermano. Great, great job. And I, and I commend you, sir. sir. Our people. Hermano, mi hermano, mi hermano pana. Yeah. I yeah. commend yeah. you, sir. You have, you have my commend. You, I commend you. But let's remember what we just agreed on as well, sir. But thank you for what you're doing, okay? Take care. Thanks. I appreciate you. Thank you, brother. All right, let's go to uh, Brother Donald. Come on in, Donald.
8: Marto, how are you today?
0: I am doing fine, sir. Talk to me.
2: Okay. It's uh, some of the officers, they're doing good jobs. I'll agree.
0: Yes. But there's also
2: bad, but they're desensitized. There needs to be a training process in there to cross train the people to deal with different types of people and not get them desensitized. Because remember, it is to protect and serve. And yes. in the legal system, it is the pursuit of justice.
0: And that's it. Yes. Thank you, my brother Donald. You always have something smart to say. Thank you, sir. All right. Thank you, sir. Let's, let's go let's go to brother Bard. Come on in, Bard.
9: Yes, sir. Thank you for taking my call. Um just just a curious outside observer here. Notice that you Democrats and socialists are going after other Democrats Mm -hmm. so far in advance of the election. Like I think it's at least a year out. So it's very fascinating behavior, which leads me to believe that something nefarious is going on behind the scenes with this Lena Hidalgo and Rodney Ellis and, uh, (laughs) Okay. Investigation. I haven't I haven't seen uh, Democrats this mad since the Republicans freed the slaves.
0: Oh, my God. It's funny. You know what? I love that you said that the Republicans freed the slaves. And you are so right. Abraham Lincoln was a Republican and the abolition. Many of the abolitionists were Republicans. And you know what? You know what the Democrats did? The Dixiecrats turned into Republicans and the liberal Republicans turned into Democrats. That's the part of the story. Every person listening to what my good brother Bard was trying to implicate there or imply there. I just wanted to make sure the record was corrected. Remember that, that we had a switcheroo of loyalists to the different parties. So that's what happened. The uh, Dixocrats got mad Uh, Okay, and they left the they they left the party. So let's let's remember what happens. Okay, so but now that you said that, Bart, there's no collusion here. What happens is, uh, I think whenever a Democrat forgets their values of what being a Democrat or a progressive means, they will pay the price of not getting the support. of the base that's all you're seeing you're seeing honesty you're seeing activism in action and that's that's all there is there's no magic there's nothing nefarious behind the scene at all so thank you for giving me the opportunity to tell people that my dear brother Bart. okay
9: all right well have a great, great one a father,
8: take care brother all right, peace,
0: out. All peace right, brother thanks. let's go to brian come on in brian
8: yeah.
9: Uh, good morning. I want to talk about the illegal immigrants that uh, have overrun the population of the United States. OK. So, uh, yeah, a couple of years ago, 50 of them were flown to Martha's Vineyard. Yes. And they stayed there for 18 hours and they were shipped out to a military base. OK. OK. I can't go on a military base until I get a clearance. OK. That same military base had people kicked out because they refused a covid test. Okay. The population part of the Parcels Vineyards is 40,000. Uh-huh. you telling me that they cannot consume 50 illegal aliens?
0: Okay. There, let there, me just there's say. No- l- no- All right, Brian. Population. Brian, I'm going to let you go and I'm going to answer you on the other side. So thank you very much, Brian. But let me just answer Brian. Brian is. Oh, that's,
8: that's unfair.
0: That's yeah, unfair. Yeah, no. What, what's unfair? All right. Let let, let me go. I, I gotta go to Alistair, but let me answer Brian as you go to Alistair. Please go to Alistair. Um Brian, here's what happened. That story that you just told is what's in the right-wing media. The reality is very different. Uh I think we lost the call. Come back, come, give us a call back if you got thrown up by mistake. Let's go to Alistair. Uh so let me just let's just make sure to tell you this. The reason I didn't let you go ahead and let you just keep Going on on that particular issue is that it's pretty much a lie. It's a right wing lie. When these people got into uh, Martha's Vineyard, they were treated so well and they speak about it and they continue to speak about it. And uh, so the story that you try to make up about it didn't happen. That small community came through for those 50 people that you guys try to make into a human failure story. Go ahead, Alistair. Talk to me, my dear sister.
2: I just wanted to ask, since when is cleaning house nefarious, according to Brother Bart?
0: I mean, serious. Yeah, yes, yeah, exactly, (laughs) exactly, exactly, exactly. Thank you very much, Alistair. Alistair, you are wonderful as usual. Thank (laughs) you. Let me go to Spike. (laughs) Come on in, Spike. Hey, hey, how you doing? I'm doing uh, fine, sir
8: I mean, right, okay.
9: uh, the caller a couple of calls ago talking about uh when the Republicans freed the slaves I just want want loan them to know that that they, they they did not free the slaves, even Lincoln was a republican then he did not. Free the slaves. He emancipated the slaves. Took them away from uh, individuals and gave them to the state. So that's where black people are totally confused, thinking that slaves were freed. They were emancipated.
0: Now okay, let me on- just let, uh, I, that you know I you know the way you put it I I have to kind of go read on 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 that uh, brother Spike. But let me just say one thing: uh, what he was trying to allude to. Is that uh, Republicans? Go ahead. Go ahead. I
8: understood what he was
9: saying. I understood what he was saying, you know. And then the way he was sarcastic with how it like when he freed when they freed the slaves. So I know what kind of person that is. And that's the same thing with talking about this country is a democracy. This is a republic. This is not a democracy.
0: Well, I mean, you're, you're you're you. You're absolutely okay. right about the democracy thing.
9: They were created as a slave patrol, and that goes on right today. Yes. So, so you know, they give you the illusion that that that, that this is a democracy when it's not, and and we believe that we believe we elect the president when we don't. It's an Spike. illusion.
0: That's Spike. the easiest control Spike, Spike, I'm at a hard, I'm at a hard end. Spike, I'm at a hard end. I do appreciate your call. Please try to call a bit earlier the next time. But thank you so kindly for calling in my brother. Hey, let me jump to our studio for uh, for Jack to have a last word before we close this baby down.
1: Well, Nancy, Trump said he would get rid of the Marxists, the communists, the socialists and the fascists. Good. We don't have to worry about the fascist Trump. He's going to get rid of himself, Nancy.
0: Thank you very much, Jack, for being in that studio all by your lonesome, getting us on this 100,000 watt transmitter. Thank you, audience, for your ears. Thank you, callers, all of you for giving your point of view. My name is Egberto Willis. This is Politics Done Right. And you guys know how I end this baby. I am what? Out!